you know, as you referenced the uh, tape going over the the holes in the arm one by one, like that shouldn't be funny. The amount of times that I've seen it, both watching the trailer on purpose and seeing it in theaters before other movies, but it's still hilarious. And what, what's amazing about that, by the way, like when a movie can create a character and within 10 minutes, he's already this iconic thing that can uh, say something, a joke that you've already seen before and make you laugh, that... I have mad respect for the people who can build a character that quickly. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Spoiler Warning Podcast. This is review number 327 with our review of Big Hero 6. I'm Christopher Schnazy. I'm Stephen Miller. And if you're joining us for the first time, the Spoiler Warning Podcast is a weekly film review program. Each week on the show, we're going to dive in, debate, discuss, and argue over the latest film releases coming to a theater, theater near you. Uh, this week, as we said, uh, we are Sans Carson, but we are here, still here talking about our buddy Baymax with Big Hero 6. Uh, mm-hmm. Steven, how's it going up there in San Francisco? <laughs> I, it's going well. Uh, damn, I wish I had some clever thing to add on to San Francisco. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to get this out of the way. I was going to wait till the review, but this movie has the best San Francisco geography I've seen in any movie of my life, and it's a <laughs> fictional version of San Francisco. <laughs> it's seriously unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, going well up here in San Francisco. <laughs> Um, it, it was funny, like, as, as the, op- the opening of the movie goes and it starts panning, I'm like, wow, that's a really Asian-looking version of the Golden Gate Bridge. <laughs> and then it gets <laughs> to the city sign and it says San Francisco, and I just busted up laughing. Yeah, I mean, they even, like, the Golden Gate Bridge, they put those Japanese gates kind of on top, you yeah, know, yeah. where it's like a, a red two poles with, like, a curvy thing on top. <laughs> super clever. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad that, like... That was the thing I clued in on in the movie because otherwise I would no, have no idea what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, I know. I even had to Google to make sure gate was the right word for what it is. Like, I want to call it a shrine, but I know it's not a shrine. Yeah. <laughs> that thing that when you look at it, you know you're in Japantown. <laughs> yes. Or, or an actual Japan. That, that was a funny aspect of the movie. So I, I saw the sign, Welcome to Port of San Fran, and I've seen that exact sign so many times, I thought it was San Francisco. Yeah. So yeah. I didn't see the pun at the beginning. <laughs> and so then when it cuts to like being in an Asian place, I was thinking, oh, he's in Chinatown right now. And oh, he's in little, like little Tokyo. Yeah. And it took a while to realize, wait, all of this is little Tokyo. <laughs> <laughs> the entire San Francisco is little Tokyo. Yeah. Yeah. No, that- <laughs> but- it, it was it was funny though because like you know everybody always talks when they cast movies how they you know they they whitewash the characters and stuff and you know hero is supposed to like he's supposed to be you know asian of some sort but he's totally like a white kid um even though his brother actually looks asian um mm-hmm. but <laughs> since it's san francisco i guess you can't really complain yeah exactly everybody it's like some firefly future where people are just some like weird combination of languages yeah well, I'm, I'm assuming that some sort of nuclear <laughs> annihilation of the planet took place and the only two um places that survived were tokyo <laughs> and San Francisco. Blew the pigment out of their skin <laughs> i don't want to go there <laughs> i was most never mind it's basically like you know uh, planet of the apes where everybody's surviving is just hanging out next to the golden gate bridge <laughs> They, they crawled over from the Muir Woods. <laughs> oh. but, but no, I'm doing well up here. Uh, feeling bad right now about being on leave from grad school working on robotics after, <laughs> after this film made it look like literally the coolest thing in the world to be doing. <laughs> pretty much, pretty much. <laughs> How are you doing this morning? I, I, I'm doing well, you know. I, uh, I think I'm finally recovered from having been up all night to watch Interstellar on Tuesday. Um, Old man. <laughs> well, I, I, I mean, I, I, I asked my boss if I could come in late Wednesday morning, and, you know, because I was like, okay, I'm, I'm going to get home at, like, 4 in the morning and then have to be at work at, like, 7.30. This is not going to be cool. So I specifically asked for a little, a few extra hours that I could come in late, and uh, my body said, no, screw you. You're getting up at 6 anyways. <laughs> so I spent the entire week recovering from two hours of sleep. Um, but this morning, I slept in 
extra late, so everything's all good. I I haven't fully recovered yet either, not because I'm waking up at 7 in the morning, (laughs) but to me, 9 a.m. is your 6 in the morning, so... I don't know, in Interstellar especially. So I saw a midnight showing in like the downtown area. Uh, the Metreon is a big theater here. And if you know anything about downtown San Francisco... I do now. The, <laughs> the nice parts of it are right next to the shadiest parts of it. Like, <laughs> you can cross one block and you'll be from a place where you think like tourists will want to go shopping to a place where you think a homeless man is going to go shopping from your backpack. <laughs> um, and so I parked like like eight blocks away uh, next to a brewery because I was meeting a friend, figured I didn't want to drive in between <laughs> drinking a few beers and getting to the theater. Yeah. But so at 3 a.m. I decided, oh, we can just walk. It's not that far. And about halfway through, it was pretty terrifying feeling. <laughs> so... I think that that adrenaline rush, along with the IMAX 70 millimeter, kept me up for quite a bit after the movie was over. Nice. So emotionally, I'm I'm not recovered yet. Gotcha. No, that that makes sense. I mean, I guess parking is not the one thing that transcends space and time. <laughs> no, you still gotta <laughs> walk a lot of space over a lot of time to get there. Uh, well, I th- I think that if you would have just taken the streets of San Francisco. Mm-hmm and then folded them over on themselves and poked a pen through them that you could have generated a wormhole that would allow you to get to your car instantly. I mean, I could have parked somewhere safer, but I didn't want to go gently into that good night. (laughs) (laughs) Which I'm sure must be relevant to Interstellar because they say it like 20 times. (laughs) Yeah, I think it's it's the the defining piece of writing for the film. (laughs) All right, let's stop talking about Interstellar. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that later. Yeah, we're gonna have a we're gonna have an episode in the feed where we're gonna be rejoined by Carson, and uh, we're gonna talk about Interstellar because it's I, I think it's safe to say that was probably the one of the most anticipated films for this crew as an aggregate. Um, so ho- hopefully that episode turns out being a pretty lively and fun discussion. Um, either that'll be the shortest episode ever. <laughs> we'll find out. <laughs> but for now. Steven, why don't you say we get into our review of uh, Big Hero 6? Let's do it. All right, we're going to take a listen to the trailer for Big Hero 6 and then come back and give you a review. This is the first test of my robotics project. Stop, 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 stop. The seventh test. This is Tadashi, my older brother. 33rd test. This is the 84th test. Hello, I am Baymax. It works! Oh, this is amazing! He wanted to help a lot of people. People keep saying Tadashi's not really gone. As long as we remember him. Hello, I am Baymax. Tadashi programmed me to heal the sick and injured. be all right there there i would like to help scan complete you are experiencing mood swings diagnosis puberty whoa what it's like spooning a warm marshmallow uh. reports are flooding in about a major go. catastrophe we're under attack from a super villain people come on go 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 i am not fast yeah, no kidding so a man in a kabuki mask attacked you in balloon man catch him we can't go against that guy we're nerds trust me i know about robotics we can be way more anybody else's suit riding up on him come on kick it down punch it why is baymax wearing carbon fiber underpants this may undermine my non-threatening huggable design he's glorious on top of the world I wasn't terrified of heights. I'd probably love this, but I'm terrified of heights, so I don't love it. What's wrong with you? Low battery. Harry, baby. That was amazing. 
You gave me a heart attack. Clear. Stop, stop, stop. It's just an expression. What do you say, buddy? Whee! Okay, let's get you back in your luggage. Okay, so you just listened to the trailer for Big Hero 6. Um, basically, it is, there's, there's a young boy who uh, is very smart and uh, likes robotic stuff, but he's not really applying it in a good way. But he tries to get into this awesome school of technology slash robotics and all that jazz. And uh, to do it, he creates some awesome stuff. And a baddie of some sort may use his technology to do bad D-type stuff. But he and his group of smart friends, and all their technology, and his brother create a robot, Baymax, can hopefully try to pull together and save the day. So, Stephen, what did you think of this film? Uh, yeah, so, well, first, I think we need to talk about the short before the film, mm. because you were tweeting and raving about this, uh, <laughs> this short for a little bit. <laughs> so, so the question is, do you agree with me that this is a fantastic short? I agree with you that it was really, really, really <laughs> cute. <laughs> I'm not sure if if my bar for fantastic is something like Paperman, where I feel like the the human story that it tells is moving me <laughs> in some way. I'm not sure I could call Feast fantastic. Well, he, I he, it was it was a really adorable look at a dog with like hints of a human thing going on. But that's the thing is the story is actually about the humans told from the point of view of the dog. It's the entire it, it is it it is the equivalency sh- sort of of the entire montage of the film up, but told from a dog's point of view in the background <laughs> as the dog just eats food. Like right, I mean that. That that was nice. I don't, I don't know that part of it. I felt like that part wasn't related to the dog eating meatballs and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I want to know who scripted this because it's hard. Like on paper, it's hard to know how the two stories are really connected. <laughs> That's the thing is they're not connected, but it's, it's what you're watching in the background of the story that happens. Like there's a lot that happens in this film. I'm giving it, Stephen. No, I'm gonna give it like really adorable. Gives me, you know, has all sorts of feels and stuff like that. The, <laughs> the, the scenes with the person are great. I would not put it in the same league as a Paperman or the first ten minutes of Up in terms of like the human, uh, the human element to it. it. I mean, I mean, don't get me wrong. It is not. It is not Paperman. I still have Paperman as the desktop background on all my computers and. Like that is extremely special in in a sp- special way, for lack of a better way to say that sentence. Um, well, my my girlfriend glared at me when I said that about the short. By the way, so maybe at least one person thought it was fantastic. <laughs> Wait, so you told her that it wasn't fantastic, and she looked at you weird. Yeah. Oh, just 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 now. Just now. Oh, okay. <laughs> I thought like <laughs> you like leaned to her during the movie and was like, "It's not fantastic." Yeah. <laughs> and she in the middle like, of the movie. Right when the short ended, I whispered, like, it's not fantastic. It was a little derivative. <laughs> Chris I, I'm is really so fun to watch movies with. <laughs> oh, that would be the best thing ever. <laughs> it still wouldn't make me as bad as the girl who sat next to us during this movie. Uh, but to get into that, I need to get back to the review of the actual movie. Okay. <laughs> but anyways, I, I think Feast is, is fantastic. Um Steven's a tiny bit dead inside. <laughs> I'm a tiny bit dead inside. It's still really, really cute. Like, everyone is going to like it, for sure. <laughs> so you, I just you, am not sure it meant very much. Like, it it was much more of, like, a extremely cute hitting all the emotional beats that a good Pixar movie hits, like Fox and the Hound. Also, dogs eating spaghetti. <laughs> um, well, I, 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 possibly... Part of the reason that we might have this separate experience is because <laughs> you saw me raving about it. And the the experience of me watching the short was basically it starts off and I'm like, oh, it's like the same animation style as, as Paperman. That's cool. But, mm-hmm. you know, I, I got all my dog villain, John Wick. I don't need another stupid dog <laughs> um, animated short. So I'm watching it. and I'm like, okay, cute dog. It's kind of funny. Animation is cool. Dog's getting older. And then I'd realized that I'm not supposed to be paying attention to the dog. And I started watching the story in the background. And it's, it's not about the dog. The dog is a metaphor. <laughs> yes. The dog is the only thing that transcends time and space. 
friendship is the only true spaghetti and meatballs <laughs> falling from the sky. I don't know. I, I, I just think watching the entire life of uh, the ups and downs of the life of a person through the eyes of a dog who, I don't know, there's like this, there's, I, I think it's, I, I pulled in a lot of different things in that moment. Um, possibly it could have been that I was sitting watching Big Hero 6 in a theater with me and then two other couples and that's mm-hmm. it it was like completely empty except for us it's so, not your fault chris <laughs> it's not your fault i'm just saying is maybe there's there's this element of sitting alone in a theater watching the story um there's like mixes of like the toy story stuff where it's like the guy is like not paying attention to the dog anymore because he has this girl it's like i don't know there's there's mm-hmm. there's a lot of different um emotions built into this film story and i think it's it's better than maybe it was presented as. <laughs> Anyways, uh, let's get back to uh, your thoughts on the film. And also, I, I mean, as you already talked about, uh, you know, taking your time away from working on robotics, uh, even though it's like the coolest thing in the world, like how, how is the presentation of robotics to you? Because in, in, in one of the first scenes that, uh, that you see Baymax turn on, and he tries to walk forward and that stool's in the way. And mm-hmm. he does like this processing of like, I cannot move forward because stool is here. And then like he looks around for where he wants to move the stool. Like I just, every time I saw moments like that in the film, I was like, I, I bet Steven's liking this. <laughs> oh, n- hell yeah. So that, uh, the portrayal of robotics in terms of like the, the kind of clunky way a machine will like patiently <laughs> try to navigate something, <laughs> come up against a flaw, look around. I, I feel like they must have consulted actual robotics or watched like research videos like maybe a sock folding robot <laughs> exactly. um, because they really it, it doesn't help that we we visited uh, we watched this in berkeley yesterday and so i visited the robot right before watching this movie um <laughs> and yeah those mannerisms were spot on like that that was the kind of observation that i feel like you need to talk to a grad student in robotics yeah to get like the frustration and kind of humor out of it instead of just making Baymax be this amazing human-like thing that when he malfunctions it goes crazy but not like <laughs> properly functioning but patient problem solving yeah I'll, um, I'll, I'll I'll say my even though Cars is not here to defend himself I'll say I'll say my line for him Baymax is awesome suck it chappy <laughs> yeah, yeah suck it chappy <laughs> which, which suck it um <laughs> doesn't make sense to anybody who Robocop yes Anyways, continue. Uh, yeah, so I, I was going to do a thing where I start by kind of criticizing only to then go into like heavy praise of the movie. <laughs> but maybe it's not even worth doing the criticism. Like, I, I was going to say that like if you really look at the plot elements of this movie and have no heart while, while you're watching it, <laughs> I can like I can see criticism of this being very much a kid's movie. Like, the bad guy can't stay bad for more than a few seconds. Plot lows are resolved. Like, right away, you know, the emotional messages of the film are very straightforward. Hero is, like, a super, super, super smart kid. Like, way smarter than the people at the university he's trying to get into. (laughs) Um, But enough with, like, fake criticism. I mean, this movie was... Also, I think that 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 fake criticism can... I I think... uh, And and the... uh, Okay. Let me try this again. The, the 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 way you defend that criticism could also be a criticism in itself. But this film this film is basically the pilot episode for a TV series. Mm-hmm. It's it's set up as a monster of the week kind of bringing together these people to become these heroes. Um, I mean, Disney is you know Disney owns Marvel now. Um, there's you know some allusions to Marvel at different points in the film. Uh, this is very much a setting up of this group of heroes. Whether it turns into a TV series or makes a series of movies going forward is irrelevant. This is the story. This is the origin story of the big hero six. Mm-hmm. So it's supposed to feel episodic. Yeah, kind yeah. Of. Yeah, so it, you're right. fake criticism aside. <laughs> that That's kind of like, that could be what I would say the negatives of the second How to Train Your Dragon movie were too. You know, like the more broad adventure yeah but this also had what how to train your dragon one had and two i didn't feel had enough 
which is like a completely <laughs> magical clouds. <laughs> yeah, yeah flying <laughs> flying through clouds no a completely magical interaction between two unlikely companions yeah like yeah. In, in this case the boy and baymax that's his name right not betamax <laughs> no, no, <laughs> the that's, form that, of video that's the obsolete version <laughs> yeah uh, but yeah um, yeah it's baymax so baymax is a character that when i saw the trailer for this movie Unlike you, I was not excited at all for it because <laughs> the trailer made it look like Baymax is just this like goofy inflatable <laughs> thing that follows him around. He's Harry like his baby. <laughs> He's like his magical best friend who gets into like physical gags. Basically, yeah, I am and that's going to be that's gonna, that's going to be the lowbrow, you know, humor part of the movie. And instead, Baymax is. Of course, the f- when I found out he was a robotics project, I was already completely turned around about him. Um, <laughs> you just thought, what did you think? I don't know. I just thought he was like a big like inflatable li- thing. Lightning struck the uh, Goodyear uh, tire guy, and then I thought he became I, a robot. I, I thought this was a more uh, more futuristic film where it's just going to be taken for granted that maybe he's still a robot, but different, like not like technology in progress okay so like Um, robots just exist as ai throughout this society and this happens to be one robot as opposed to like a i guess he's still one robot you know what i mean (laughs) yeah i I thought this was going to be a plot device i didn't realize it was going to be the central point of the movie kind of yeah um but the way they build him up is such that even the exact same moments that in the trailer i like smiled but kind of rolled my eyes at mm-hmm. when they've built up the character of baymax and the same thing is happening like he's at a police station and he's putting tape on the holes in his arm <laughs> individually <laughs> everyone is cracking up in the theater because they've built him as this kind of thing that a, a tiny little mannerism from him can just bring back all of these like all of this transfer emotion i don't even know how to explain it they do uh like when toothless makes a little face or something yeah. In How to Train Your Dragon. This, this, this film as a whole is very reminiscent of, of, of the middle of How to Train Your Dragon, the first one, where uh, Hiccup has met Toothless for the first time, and they're both trying to get an idea of who the other person is and what they're doing, and when they're when they're doing, like, the wrestling and the eating of the fish and, like, just the those type of moments. Like, it, it's so it's so exactly that same feeling, and it's awesome. Yeah, definitely. And <laughs> you wouldn't expect it to be quite that way because in How to Train Your Dragon, it kind of built off of this feel of like the love of your pets right like this is sort of like a dog that's meeting him for the first time and here it's not something that we have experience with unless you're me or a few other people (laughs) which is like a a robot which is well-intentioned but has a like very shallow understanding of human interaction and is like well-meaning but he's like the naive cuddly friend that you that you want to love yeah um and it's really incredible the way that they build him up and make the audience care about this big inflatable robot who by the way i thought was voiced by john hodgman but i was mistaken (laughs) (laughs) um and like i said before san francisco was just awesomely done like I'm really not kidding when I say the geography is the best I've seen, and that definitely includes Godzilla, which was supposed to be actual <laughs> San Francisco. Um, I mean, there, there's a scene in this movie where they do a chase through a tunnel, and then they leap over an overpass, they pass railway tracks, they fall off of a bridge. Like, you can tell, like, block by block, basically, where they are supposed to be in the, in this fake place. Like, nice. It's insane considering it's a sci-fi, you know, like a fantasy movie with all these other things added in the future. Yeah. How well they kept, like, the streets and the neighborhoods and all the landmarks in place. Um, That maybe isn't the strength of the movie because most people don't care (laughs) about that. But I thought, like, the fact that they would actually make it so lifelike, if only for, like, the creators to be satisfied with how fully fleshed out it was. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, that just, like, clues you in as to how clever this movie is. Well, here's the real question is, can we go eat at that donut slash coffee shop that Hiro lives above? Probably. Um, I mean, I think he was supposed to be in, like, the lower hate. We can we can check it out. Come okay. up here and we'll we'll drive around and we'll try to find the coffee shop. <laughs> we'll, we'll Look for ta- Maya Rudolph to be 
serving coffee somewhere once it's uh, available at, on dvd we'll just drive around with like the laptop in the car <laughs> watching it <laughs> the like, real no, san francisco <laughs> it'll be awesome but yeah i mean this this movie was just very very it, it had that same kind of magic that like you mentioned made the interactions between hiccup and toothless so special but it it did it in a way where i feel like it can continue to bring that magic in a way where how to train your dragon it was kind of a trick that once they get to know each other there's a little bit of the spark there but it's not the same yeah here the premise is a boy and his machine and the ability to use technology for a greater good rather than for just an iron man style like battle yeah yeah <laughs> um and i feel like that's a that's such an untapped well of potential like i can definitely imagine movies coming out over and over about this and it coming from a person in technology it's like a great message to be sending to kids right that the the coolest thing you can do is create something not for the big corporation that will use it nefariously but for the good of humanity yeah Um, just like heartwarming message heartwarming interactions between people the secondary characters are all you know just goofy like tj miller and, <laughs> and everything miller's character is awesome was he in how to train your dragon too yeah he, he's one of the uh the the twins the same character basically yeah um yeah, yeah. No, he, he is he, he, his character in this basically wants to be his character in that <laughs> yeah they're all they all camp it up in you know the, the perfect way for a kid's movie where they're they're well-drawn caricatures that you figure out within a few minutes, but they have plenty of jokes to leave adults uh, laughing, even if to the kids he's just, like, goofy kid with long hair and the fact that he's a, you know, entitled undergrad who refuses to stop being an undergrad. Like, yeah. the fact that his stereotype is so well-defined, like, doesn't matter to them, but it makes it pretty fun for the rest of us. It's funny, too, with the way you talked about, like, there being a positive message for, you know, people who are interested in this type of stuff. Like, the the film uses the language of, of like, nerd and geeky stuff. And, like, you know, they he constantly refers to, like, oh, nerd school, or he's like, oh, I really want to get into this nerd school. But the thing is, like, everyone in the film is a nerd. Like, everyone in mm-hmm. San Francisco is, like, technology-based and at least at the very least whether they're not proficient in it themselves they're still interested in it and you know this big conference where all the people show off their inventions to try to win an invite to like the technological equivalent of hogwarts uh, Mm -hmm. it's it's there is never a negative view on technology or robotics or anything um no of course not and the whole arc the arc that he goes through of avoiding a nerd school is one of those extremely narrow ones in the sense that like it never goes too deep and it doesn't last very long because you know from the moment you see him he is the classic cool nerd like he builds robots <laughs> to do cool things like <laughs> yeah, yeah he is going to glorify this in in a similar way as iron man but they do they do some clever things where the imagery of iron man is almost taken as a negative or at least like not not the best way to be like not the only way to use your brain for yeah, a yeah. positive impact well he comes off as tony snark and yeah. uh <laughs> and this character is actually just like a fun loving kid who wants everybody to embrace technology also tony hart no it doesn't <laughs> work leave it you follow, follow up with something else what did you think of it uh the film in general yeah, I mean, obviously, I love this film. Uh, as as we established from our brief conversation about the short feast, I apparently am more of a sucker for cutesy little stuff in general. So um, going into this, I was super excited, mostly just for every moment that Baymax was in the trailer doing anything Baymaxy. Um, just like the like, so you know, we talked about Hiccup and Toothless and their interactions, and, you know, their interaction is great. Um, you referred to, to Toothless as dog-like. I always think of him as being cat-like, but that could just be that you're a dog person, I'm a cat person. Either way, mm-hmm. it's like pet-animal interaction. But Toothless is built, yes, he's a dragon, he's oversized, but he has full, um, like, uh, full ability to manipulate his face in very human ways like normal human characteristics he he can he can emote in a way that is one-to-one with um 
with hiccup. Like when when, he, when he's making a face, you know what that uh, that emotion is communicating. Baymax doesn't have that ability. He has two eyes that can blink, and that is it. So he he in theory. He is always just this blank stare, but somehow he emotes like crazy in, mm-hmm. in, in an amazing way. Like, uh, you know, Wally was always able to emote, but he also had like the like little weird. He had like human eyes. Yeah, yeah, he had like these crazy, like he could rotate and frown and like get excited and do all sorts of things in a way that that Baymax can't. But somehow Baymax, they just, they did something awesome with him in, you know, like, and I feel that there must have been like a bunch of time like dialing back its, his ability to emote to try to mm-hmm. communicate it in a better way and and uh yeah like i i was just super excited going in like i i was trying to you know when his battery's low and he's coming up the stairs and he's like Wee! Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I- that, that was a wonderful <laughs> scene by the way i i almost don't even want to spoil like the main analogy to having his battery below yeah, yeah. <laughs> because it's so hilarious in the moment so it's like i when the trailer was out i i kept trying like I, I pulled down the trailer and i wanted like i was gonna make that scene him giving that little like almost like devil horns kind of like Yee! Uh, i was gonna try to make that as like my facebook timeline photo or whatever and i was like sad that like that shot in the trailer is only like four frames and they're all like super motion blurred so i couldn't get a clean shot of it um mm-hmm. But basically, like, I was just excited to see this. And, like, it completely delivered. This is one of the only times I've seen a film to where I still laughed at the parts that were funny in the trailer. Like, usually, like, like I, I shouldn't be, I shouldn't think, you know, as you referenced the uh, tape going over the, the holes in the arm one by one. Like, that shouldn't be funny the amount of times that I've seen it, both watching the trailer on purpose and seeing it in theaters before other movies. But it's still hilarious. Um Baymax does this thing where where he apparently can't compute the explosion sound following a fist bump. So he like <laughs> fist bumps and goes blah la 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 la. <laughs> and like every time he did that, he does it like repeatedly. I bust up laughing. And as I mentioned already, there was two couples and me in a theater and I'm just like like one couple sitting in the front row and one couple sitting in the back row and I'm in the center of the theater just laughing constantly at this movie feeling like an idiot because i'm the only one laughing and uh yeah it's just it's it's a really joyous experience um and what's amazing about that by the way like that feeling of him doing a little thing that you've already seen 10 times before and still getting a laugh out of that's like that's a thing that i can understand in a tv show when it has nine seasons right like kramer can do the same thing a hundred times and people will laugh the moment he walks into a room yeah yeah because you've had years and years to care about this person or like michael saying that's what she said um but when a movie can create a character and within 10 minutes he's already this iconic thing that can uh, say something a joke that you've already seen before and make you laugh that I have mad respect for the people who can build a character that quickly, like shortcutting all the normal narrative you would need to grow to care about a thing. Like they, they just leap right into it. And somehow even a jaded adult <laughs> like me like <laughs> can completely fall for it in a, in a way that when a kid's movie tries to do that and fails, you can feel it like so terribly <laughs> yeah. when they do it. Like try to have a character that repeats the same joke and you're just like, oh, God stop it yeah like there, there's no reason this sh- should work and, and it's not even like it's the kid version of a property we're used to like it's this is its own thing that to me seems pretty original i don't know if there's some sort of ip that i've never heard of that this is related on um mm. but either way like even if there is i don't know anything about it so it's really just it's i don't know it, it's just an incredibly fun film and it's it's like, you know, we already referenced the fact that the story is pretty condensed. You know, it's a short, like, Monster of the Wiki type story. Um, there isn't technically a lot. Like, it's not a broad, uh, sweeping epic. Like, this this group of people, um, minor spoiler, I guess, aren't trying to save the world. They're trying to they're trying to save a small part of San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not like it's, it's this crazy, like, oh, my God, did you see that? It was so intense. Like, it, it's, it's a very reduced... Um, you know, intimate-ish uh, story, but but it just executes on it so well. And there's actually some pretty um, intense uh, uh, moments. Like there there is a there's a really brilliant moment where um, Hiro is is arguing with Baymax over an action that he would like Baymax to take, and just the way that the the non-understanding um, 
of of Baymax about what Hiro is asking him to do and the trying to work it into the way his programming is like it, I don't know that that moment I think is incredible um mm-hmm. it's probably one of my favorite moments in the film like I I would say it's it's pretty brilliant scene um yeah I don't know you, you know see what I'm talking about right yeah yeah of, of course I I thought that was extremely well done I feel like if this had been an adult movie it would have pushed that deeper but in the kids movie lens of how much darkness a kid can handle I thought they hit the perfect balance of it not not unlike some moments of toothless in the second how to train your dragon of that true, like true. <laughs> the kind some kind of similar <laughs> yeah. things going on but this uh, the this in general, the messages that it creates, and I'm not normally one who thinks a movie needs to like have a positive impact on the world or be conscious or whatever. Um, this movie has such a message that I can get behind, even even if the emotional scenes feel like a tiny bit overdone. If I were being super critical, like I can't help but love it in this scenario because it's such a good a good premise and like a good human moment that they're cramming in a movie that like a 10 year old would love. Yeah. A 10 year old that would never want to watch a movie about like some of the themes that, uh, that hero is going through. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, I, yeah, I just, I walked out of this movie on such a high. I mean, I was already on a high when the short started and then I watched the movie and was on a high from that. Um, I actually, when I was going in last night to, uh, to watch Interstellar with a friend of mine, I there was like a a lady and her daughter or granddaughter or niece or whatever that they were going to see a movie. I was like, "Oh, are you guys seeing Big Hero 6? And then they ended up seeing. They were, I think, they were seeing. Uh, they were seeing uh, Book of Life. I was mm-hmm. like, oh, "All right, Big Hero 6 is awesome, though. You should see it." Like I was trying <laughs> like get like little kids to go watch this movie. Uh, yeah. So. <laughs> That's not weird, right? <laughs> no, no, not a, so. I, I almost watched this next to a little kid, uh, so <laughs> I, I, I can lead into my tiny story now. Now that we've discussed the condensed plot of the movie, okay. I was sitting next to a a girl, um, of ethnicity that I won't make uh, clear. <laughs> A girl who... Is that because you couldn't tell or... No, she she is in some culture where cutesiness, I believe, is supposed to be a very good thing. <laughs> uh, we'll be vague about it. Uh, but, but anyway, I was... So not, I was sitting, not the San Fran half of it. No, she, she was... So she was like in her late 20s probably sitting with, I imagine, her boyfriend watching this movie. And I, I mentioned that the plot <laughs> elements, like the the fear and the sadness and the excitement, are, are all kind of muted. Like it isn't the point of the movie. Yeah. Like the, the plot is largely, uh, like you said, monster of the week. Like there's going to be some little low point where the main character needs to learn something, but it's not going to go that low, and it's not going to last that long. Um, she was reacting to every part of this movie audibly as if it were the most terrifying film she'd ever seen in her life. <laughs> there would be parts in the movie that nobody cared about, right? Like people hypothesizing over who the man in the mask is. When yeah. Everyone thinks it's been set up 100% already, right? Like yeah. everyone knows what they're, what they're building towards. And a character would voice the opinion of, I bet the man behind the mask is X. And she would go, oh, What? <laughs> And then it would like it would pan to Hero being sad, like I miss my you know, I, I, I don't actually know what the what the movie gives away, maybe I shouldn't say that. Hero is sad about something very clear and the camera lingers and she goes, Oh and then Baymax does something funny and she's like, ha, 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 ha. It, it was ridiculous. I'm I'm assuming that while she's giggling, she's holding both fingers <laughs> the tips of her hands over her mouth and going <laughs> basically yeah i think you you cued in on the demographic <laughs> anyway no it was it was ridiculous it was something where like it wouldn't bother me if it were a genuine reaction like if a little kid were doing that i would love this movie even more for it like yeah yeah, yeah. That, that's the best when you can feel the excitement of like the target demographic really getting into it yeah, yeah. this was so clearly a girl who does this at every movie because she wants to emote either her cuteness or the uh 
the fact that she's having a good time to the person who is coming with her. Yeah. And it was, I was laughing at that almost as much as the actual movie. <laughs> like every little plot element. <gasps> oh no. <laughs> Your nanobot is trying to go somewhere. <gasps> no, exactly. It, it was like that level of surprise at everything. <laughs> Anyway, that's not, neither here nor there, but if you are that person, you're going to get a lot out of this movie, I've heard. <laughs> if you are that type of person, or specifically her. Or specifically her. I think she'll watch it again and still act surprised. <laughs> oh, good times. Um, yep. Shoot, there was one other thing that I wanted to mention that I am having trouble remembering right now. <laughs> Loss of memory is often a sign <laughs> of lack of sleep. Have you been sleeping well enough, Chris? <laughs> On a scale of 1 to 10, how much are you tired? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, I got to remember. Another thing that I really liked um, about the film is, you know, in, in most, like, even take, say, the Avengers, right? You have a bunch of people with different powers, and you have to figure out a way to have each of them use their powers in some sort of special way that is unique to them and allows you to keep the combat lively, um, right? Mm -hmm. and, and in the Avengers, what it really turns out to be is that Captain America and all the non-powered people are kind of on the streets just punching people over and over again. And then like... You know, Iron, Iron Man is saving the world. Yeah, Iron Man is saving the world, <laughs> flying around. Um, Hulk is Hulk smashing things. And then Thor is like spinning his hammer and throwing it without letting go of it. So he can temporarily fly to hit mm -hmm. something. And then, you know, it, Scarlett it, Johansson is doing a backflip in front of one guy. <laughs> yes. Jeremy Renner is wondering why he's still in the series. He's <laughs> <laughs> trying to dismantle a bomb. So basically, like, it, it, like you know, I had fun in Iron Man. I'm excited for, or, or sorry, I I had fun in, in all of those movies. You know, I, I'm excited for Age of Ultron. Um, but they, for the most part, it's a bunch of heroes acting alone yet together. In mm -hmm. this, each person is given, like, you, you, when we first meet each of the characters, we see the project they're currently working on at, quote-unquote, nerd school. Um, when Hero brings them all together and decides like you know i'm gonna scan you guys and build some awesome things he tailors the uh mechanical augment that he's going to give them to their area of focus in nerd mm -hmm. school and each person gets a very um even tj miller has a ridiculously unique um quote-unquote <laughs> power and yeah. when you watch them fighting together like it is one cohesive uh, unit of people using very specific abilities together in mm -hmm. a way that you know you don't usually see. I mean, it, it's not just like, hey, each of these people doing something, and then Baymax being the awesome one who's a giant robot-y guy. It's mm -hmm. everybody has a unique ability that um, they use to uh, not not only a unique way, but combined with the group together, they they work well as a team, and it's. Um, that sort of ensemble combat choreography is really awesome. And even in films that have a good ensemble cast, you don't always get that type of thing. Um, so yeah, I mean, they they really carved out a different space for each of the characters, which is why this, it almost feels like this just leading to more movies is not enough. Like, it really does feel like it's leading to a TV show. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because they have so much for each of them to do. And I, I loved that same premise of, you see their research project, except for T.J. Miller. At the <laughs> well, but, but even his comes from it. Yeah, like T.J. Miller states that like he he isn't actually he just kind of hangs out at the nerd school because he thinks it's cool. Like he doesn't actually have any nerd skills at all. Mm -hmm. So like he he doesn't have a research project that he's doing, but he has a dream of a power that he would like to have. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes, that, I I thought that was extremely well done, and it gets back to kind of the the message I like of this film where whereas in the Avengers there can be one Tony Stark. Yeah. Right. One person who is the self made superhero and everyone else is like magic powers or Scarlett Johansson. Um, <laughs> I don't know why I'm ragging on her. Jeremy Renner's a way worse character than she is. Yeah. yeah. Well <laughs> but her only power is just being very attractive. <laughs> yeah, being very attractive. Uh, which is an important power to have, definitely. Yeah. Well, she has the other power of being able to be interrogated while getting information from somebody else. Judging by the uh, the artist's rendering that was released, I think Wonder Woman is also going to have only that power. 
<laughs> but anyway, when you compare Look, it to that, doesn't she have like where... a lasso of truth too? Yeah, probably. <laughs> when when you compare it to that, they're they're gonna give her some kind of like Daisy Duke aesthetic to go with the lasso, probably. Yeah, yeah. Cowgirl next door. Um, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, when you compare that to this movie, like like those movies kind of have the idea that one person's genius is a commodity that's almost like a superpower. Yeah. Like they have it and no one else can have it. And in this film, it centers around a group of people who all know how to do a particular thing that is like unique and ne- like their skill set is necessary to create the thing that they fight with. Yeah. And... I think that, again, just going back to the empowering part, like, that makes it super cool for a kid that it's not, like, you have one hero that you root for that saves the day. It's a team of people who all have this body of knowledge that, hey, you could also potentially get if you, you know, practiced and went to nerd school in the end. Yeah. So that that was super charming to me. And that's the other thing that's pretty interesting, too, about Hiro himself. Like, he, he doesn't give himself a power. His power is is like yelling things to Baymax <laughs> and helping hoping Baymax executes the commands properly. Yeah, like, so his power is bot fighting basically. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. Like he yeah, well t- yeah, cuz that was actually his his whole his whole area of focus. So technically he is doing exactly the same as what he did for the other people, but he he like he's literally playing the hiccup. Like his real abilities don't come from the thing he can do against a dragon it's his maneuverability and like he even has like a special harness system that he gets on the back of baymax with so it's like it's uh, it's just so evoking that that how to train your dragon thing but Mm -hmm. it, it still in its own unique way but it's it's definitely built on that same kind of premise of that their power is their cohesive unit ability as opposed to like i just have this super shooty blaster ray thing of a jigger so i'm I'm actually curious how would you if you had to rank your emotional resonance between the two main characters here and the two in how to train your dragon what takes precedence to you i would um i think i think i would say i would still say how to train your dragon Mm-hmm. And we'll stick just for the sake of argument. I'll stick with How to Train Your Dragon One, but I think that mostly that is because that relationship is a hundred percent reciprocal. Like it's 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 a two way thing. Baymax definitely cares for um, for Hero, but there is a sense that like he is like you know what I mean. Like they're they're the way that Hero feels about Baymax can in some way be reciprocated but like there's also a not, sense that it not can't. the same depth of emotion yeah yeah like like baymax is programmed to respond in certain ways and while he authentically is trying to you know keep hero alive and and, and make sure that his well-being is is maintained there's also a sense that like he, he is still a robot <laughs> but, but then there is the added layer that he is in a very real way, the voice of someone who cares a lot for the character. Um, he is like the stand-in, kind of, for that person's caring nature. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Which adds like a human element that, even if it's a little squeezed in to the film, it's still... There's something about that that kind of shortcuts for me the problem of it not being reciprocal. Is it is the product of someone whose love was totally reciprocal? Yeah, yeah, but but I still like in in a weird way that's still from Hero's re- reaction to Baymax. Like he mm-hmm. is that relationship to Hero, not necessarily the reverse. Mm-hmm. Like, um, yeah, it, it's it's hard to define. Um, it's it's like it's like a cheating sense if like if if i'm looking just outwardly um i think that i think that uh the relationship that hero has to baymax is stronger than what what hiccup has to toothless because toothless is sort of like with baymax there is a stronger baymax represents something that toothless doesn't Uh, Mm -hmm. toothless represents the finding something to ally yourself with in a world that rejects you because you're not like 
you're not the big tough viking guy who can take on dragons you're the Mm -hmm. kid who's scared to hurt a dragon but likes inventing things um Mm. and in this you have the kid who likes inventing things but he he doesn't like he removes himself from society not because he feels like outcast because he's kind of too busy being lazy and building bots and fighting them to want to participate with other people so it's like there there is a thing that toothless represents for hiccup that baymax doesn't even need to represent for for uh hero but hero has a relationship with baymax that he wouldn't have that that toothless that hiccup wouldn't have to toothless because of the nature of where toothless comes from and stuff like mm-hmm. that so yeah. i don't know. I, I am in agreement by the way i think toothless and hiccup still kind of squeak by but i don't know if that's just nostalgia like because there's a lot about this movie and that relationship that i can love in a way that's like stronger than what how to train your dragon tried to do um yeah which if only to say the fact that they're even neck and neck should speak very highly of the quality of this film because the how to train your dragon is usually the movie i go to as the example of how an animated film can be transcendently enjoyable for everyone not just a little kid yeah well here here's the follow-up question for you which is you know just the inevitable question we have to ask next is who would win in a fight between toothless and hiccup and <laughs> max and hito uh <laughs> what, what kind of equipment does baymax have uh everything at his disposal <laughs> from the nerd school <sighs> i want to know tj miller versus toothless <laughs> that seems like a more fair fight <laughs> also there there's so there's a uh, oh it's my favorite it's not my favorite moment i just it it, when i think back on it it's a hilarious moment in the film where uh let's just say that you know like we already talked about how every every member of the cast in this film have their own special ability well there's a moment where they each find themselves in a in a precarious predicament in which uh they have to figure out how to get out of and each person is coming up with a way they can use their special ability to get out of the situation and tj miller's is not be an idiot. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, like, it's so amazing. That moment is so funny. <laughs> oh, good times. <laughs> good times. So, any any last thoughts about this film, Stephen? That no, I think I think we covered it. <laughs> All right. So, you, are you gonna like if 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 this actually continues as a film series, would you be on board? Like, you know, if part of like Marvel Phase Four is somehow working in Big Hero Six. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would I would be on board. I would be, I'm prepared to have my heart broken by movie number two, but I would still definitely yeah. I would definitely go see it. Yeah, I, I I'm excited for the the potential feature uh, things and. and like we've discussed, this this was billed as Monster of the Week, so I don't think it, it, it's not like the formula can change. Like there there was a there was a change in the formula from How to Train Your Dragon one and two, um, just mm-hmm. because the first film was so much about meeting Toothless and their their um, becoming the team that they are. And in this film, it's a much as we said, it's a much reduced plot, so there's not as much to have to worry about in that same way. So um, there's less potential for an immediate downgrade in the quality of the picture because they don't it, there's there's less to miss from that coming together i guess if mm-hmm. that makes sense so but anyways what do you say we get to our verdicts yeah let's do it all right if you want to give this a must see recommend with the caveat wait for rental pass with the caveat or must avoid what would you give it steven if i give any kids movie a must see i have to give this movie a must see like it it is just extremely well done it has a great message it has like legitimate moments of humor and emotion that come from a strong character building of an unlikely character yeah. it, it it just does everything that you want a kids movie to do it does it in an exciting way uh it doesn't even if it shortcuts narrative elements it doesn't shortcut any of the like setting or exposition like i mentioned san francisco is an extremely well-developed world that they have that they didn't even need to do for the sake of their target demographic yeah but they did it because clearly the creators love this world and they want it to be fully fleshed out and have the potential for more Um, (laughs) which which is great 
That'd be uh, funny. So, That'd be funny if like you were giving it too much credit. It was actually like, do we set this in Japan or do we set this in California? <laughs> and like they were just like arguing back and forth and said, screw it, smash them together, San Francisco. Yep, we're just gonna split the difference. <laughs> that would be funny if I'm just imagining all of the like verisimilitude of the movie and it's really just random like hills that they're going over. <laughs> they wrote some algorithm that just like pieced it together and was like, Oh, that's weird, it actually fits. <laughs> It turns out San Francisco is the optimal location for an adventure movie. <laughs> anyway, must see. I have trouble imagining someone not having a good time with this. And I think for people with kids, this is a good movie to have them fall in love with because it has a much stronger message than most. And it glorifies things that probably should be glorified because robotics is cool. <laughs> So one thing to take away from this film, robotics is cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just like this movie. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I love this movie as well. It's a total must-see for me. Um, my only thing, and it's not even a caveat, it's just a, a word of advice. Um, pick a popular time frame to see it, like, you know, like maybe a weekend around the 7 o'clock rush hour for movies time frame because I saw it on a Thursday night with four other people in the theater with me. And while it didn't ruin my enjoyment in the movie, it was me laughing <laughs> to myself like an idiot um, in a in a mostly empty theater. And I think being able to enjoy it with a crowd of people who are feeling the same way you are uh, will just give you that little heightened um, experience over what I had. Um, but luckily, I'm a sucker for this sort of stuff, so it didn't it didn't take away from my enjoyment. It just I knew it could have been better. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> I guess you have to see it a second time now. I, I, I just might. <laughs> I, I can sync you up with the girl who sat next to me and make sure that she can emote some of the feelings for you. Nice. All right. So, yeah, that is our review for this week. Steven, if people want to find you throughout the week, where can they do that? If people want to find me, they can go to twitter.com slash sdavidmiller or sdavidmiller.com. People can find me at christopherinreallife.com or twitter.com slash christopherirl. You can find the podcast over at thespoilerwarning.com where you can get a bunch of the back episodes of the show. If you want to know when the episodes go live, you can follow us at twitter.com slash spoilerwarning or like us at facebook.com slash thespoilerwarning. If you want to get a hold of us directly, you can send an email to fans at thespoilerwarning.com or you can call and leave us a voicemail at 760-575-4TSW. That's 760-575-4879. Um, music for this episode will come from the soundtrack to... Big Hero 6. So hopefully you are enjoying that. And uh, yeah, as we mentioned at the top of the show, um, in tomorrow night we're going to be recording our review of Interstellar. So Carson will be rejoining us for that. Hopefully it'll be a great discussion. So mm-hmm. tune in for that. Hope you enjoy it. And uh, yeah, thanks for joining me, Steven. Yeah, thanks for having me. Hopefully tomorrow night we can bend space time with the power of love <laughs> so we can record... <laughs> record the interstellar review in a timely manner before everyone goes out and watches that in imax this weekend instead of big hero six yes not that it was good or bad we're not going to get into that yet yeah well i i I would yeah i I would make a comment about you making that comment but the thing is if if people are like if people were going to wait and not listen to this until after they saw big hero six and they wouldn't hear that message anyways so like, I only feel the way I do about the movie because I heard my review in the future, and that makes total <laughs> narrative sense. Um, all I know is I really wish I had a bookshelf right now. Because <laughs> then maybe I can know. <laughs> you know, it is actually funny. Um, I, I feel like I, I, it, it, I was going to make this joke at the top of the show when I, when I talked about this film, but um, both this and Interstellar are the stories of a guy who is very good at what he could be doing, but he's not actually doing that thing. Instead, he's doing something that is far less uh, special. And Mm. he teams up with a group of people who is led by an artificial intelligent robot to go off and try to save people they care about. And, uh, you know, parts of the end of both films involve, you know, black (laughs) (laughs) holes-ish. In a a manner of speaking, yeah, there were definitely some visual (laughs) elements here that reminded me of the other film i won't call it the lesser film (laughs) we'll get into that later but as far as your future self i think you're tech savvy enough that if you just open up your ibooks (laughs) account 
you'll probably see some communication going on. <laughs> pushing pushing the little thumbnails of books back and forth. <laughs> Alright, well, we should let people go, and we should go. Oh, they already left. <laughs> <laughs> probably. Uh, there's ghosts in this podcast. <laughs> but I don't call it a ghost because I'm scared of it. I call it a ghost because of a line that I forgot. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Alright, bye everyone. See ya. <laughs>